1: Jeff Cameron, Show, 933 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good Monday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeff. That is Tom, Director Matthew, waiting in the wings to do some editing. A set of circumstances over the next couple of days, they're doing work in the studio with uh, the board and a bunch of other stuff. So, Tom and I are doing the show from the house. It coincides at the exact same time that the transfer portal is opened, and we've got to be on call for War Chant TV spots. Uh, with the comings and goings of players. So it's a hodgepodge, a mix and match. Some of it may end up being dated. Maybe not. I hope not. But we wanted to have something for both. And if anything breaks later in the day, uh, you can count on Warchant to have you covered as to um, player development, player news, and uh, all that good stuff. Hopefully, hopefully soon enough, Tom, we're talking about a giant offensive tackle from Alabama that couldn't wait to get to Tallahassee. Could happen. It's the transfer portal era. Don't know. Could be the kid from Oklahoma. Could be the defensive lineman from Illinois. Could be
0: Christmas early. Let's wait and see. What's interesting is, you know, in in the NBA, in the NFL, I'm not sure if it happens so much in the other two major sports, but you're not allowed to tamper, right? And then yet, even when free agency opens, people already have a completely constructed deal. And, like, there's an announcement of a deal. It's like, well, if there's not – I think the NBA has a legal tampering period, but clearly nobody respects these rules and they just go on their own and they form these deals, have them all agreed to. And then the moment that it's free agency season in those sports, you see yeses are being delivered. It doesn't seem like that's the way, at least this year in the college transfer portal, because some kids have announced that they were going to be in the portal a week ago to get out in front of the market, so to speak. And yet, I think what coaches are doing here is they're all waiting to see, am I getting the best player at this position? Because I want to see what the full field of players is going to be. I think the market is too large in order for a coach. It's not 32 teams you're dealing with here. You can find somebody at the low-level FBS, high-level FCS, whatever it is that can make your team better today. Our starting right guard was from Charlotte this season in Tallahassee. So I think you're not going to see a whole lot of yeses in terms of the inflow part of the equation today. It's got to be 90-10, 99-1 almost about outflow. I'm on the market rather than I'm off the market and I've made my decision.
1: Our starting defensive end was at Albany right. a year ago. Better example, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's without question you've got to sit back. Florida State is in a unique position right now. This is a place that people are going to want to come to, not that they have to come to. This isn't a fallback plan for somebody. This is an opportunity for somebody to thrust themselves into the limelight on a winning program and to do so while still accomplishing whatever goals there were to go to a bowl game, go to championship games, try to win a conference, try to win a national championship. These are things now that you're gonna you're gonna have a higher, higher caliber of player that is interested in your school. And you might think, well, that's a real good problem to have. And it is, and it is, but it still requires some deft maneuvering because in some cases, the second you find out that a really good player, an accomplished player at a Power 5 school, now desires to come to your school, has reached out to you in whatever way possible, and it's a position of need. On the one hand, slam dunk. Thank goodness we needed a guy at that spot. We were losing this guy and this guy. He can come in and play right away. This is going to work out perfect. Other times, though, it's very different. Other times, you've got a guy you feel pretty good about, and the natural growth is happening, right? It's it's on time. He's going to class. He's doing well. He's learning the playbook. He's at every practice. He's lifting hard. He's gotten stronger. He's doing everything you've asked of him. But, man, he's still maybe a year away from playing. And what now? Now I got a call from a true sophomore or a redshirt freshman who's decided he'd like to leave where he's at. And he's a kid that could come in and play right away. And if I say yes to that kid, do I know for certain over the next two years that he tracks as better than the kid I already have on my roster that I promised a scholarship to, that I've asked to do all these things for me, and he has, and he's part of the good culture in my locker room. Am I sure I want to go ahead in some ways, just wash my hands of that kid or certainly run the risk that he's going to view it that way? and now I've brought in this other guy who's just a little bit older and has a little bit more playing time, it's hard balancing that because in some cases you're going to say, absolutely, we whiffed on this joker. We got a chance to to remedy a problem. On the other hand, you're not always so sure, and that kid is trending in the right direction, and do I upset the apple cart just because a kid is interested in me now? you got to be much more judicious. It's going to be fascinating to see how they navigate this. So far, they've navigated all of this exceptionally well. Let's knock on wood that that
0: portends of them doing so in the future. I'm just fascinated by the process of how it all roster selection and and construction comes together because, again, this year you don't have an exception, an NCAA waiver that allows for 30-plus kids to come on campus year over year. You've only got 25 spots. So you've got to do a lot of number crunching on the fly in real time as a head coach and a coaching staff because, What if a five-star or high four-star high school player suddenly says, you know, I really like what you did in November. Can I get on campus for an official visit the next two weeks? I'm an early enrollee. Well, that's a spot that you maybe didn't think that you were going to offer up to the high school ranks, and now it's going to count against one of your 25 if you can actually land this kid. So you've got to pull back the reins on how many transfers you want to bring in. I just wonder, I'm sure that each coaching staff across the country looks at this a little bit differently, we've talked about it a lot from an NIL perspective and the collective and how their budget would be divvied up that's also a big part of this conversation that's part and parcel to your roster building and, and what you're doing year over year but i would think that you almost have to work backwards here and by that i mean you got to work through your portal needs first and those are spots that are in ink yes. because i need to be i need to be better at guard next season i need to be yes. better at safety or corner next season I know that we're playing for the long game too but you've got to carve out whatever that hard and fast number is and then from there maybe you have some gray area spots maybe there's two or three out of the 25 that best available between portal and high school it's just fascinating to me because I'm sure that those numbers might have changed I don't know two or three times by now in the last week or two depending upon who's available who's leaving the surprises that are yet to come You have to be so damn nimble now as a head coach in college football. And December, I keep saying this, December is fundamentally different as a month now than it used to be on the college football calendar. It was about bowl practices and shaking hands forever in a day. Then it was the early signing day, which is critical. But now it's also this nonsense, the early signing window. And then, oh, by the way, let's see if we can get some practices in to play our bowl game, which is crazy. Well, and then if you go out and have the season that Florida State
1: did, you're adding more to it in a good way because all of a sudden, again, now you have opportunities to go to a bowl. So you do have practices that are going to demand your attention. But while you're out there, you're assessing, like you've talked about before, exactly who's in, who's out. What do we really think about this position group? What are we learning every day that we come out here to practice about Jared versus decision? about Jamie Robinson or anybody else's decision. What are we What are we hearing? What, what kind of advice are they getting along the way? It's now going to impact what we do from this point forward in the portal or even in recruiting to some extent. Do we have a kid that we've been kind of holding on to back over here, telling him to wait, telling him to wait? Do we now want to present that offer because we think we're going to have to have him down the line, especially if he's a JUCO kid, let's say, and he can plug and play? It's tough, uh, but it's a good problem to have. Again, it's nice having more avenues by which to fix your problems. Yeah. It, it is a headache and that there are more of these uh, areas that you have to guard against from other teams fixing their roster using your players. But it is nice knowing that you are not just trapped by the slow development of a high school football
0: player. Well, and that's the other thing about the success this year. We talk about success and how it can you know, be more attractive to come to Florida State because you're winning, not just from the portal but you know for everything from high school kids to coaches, assistant coaches that might want to be a part of this program. But it also, winning is an insulator against getting poached. You know, right. you've got to worry about that every year now. Look at, I mean, you noted it earlier today, but Clemson has a lot of dudes in the portal, even though they just went 10-2. and And that might be that those kids are being told that they got to go and make way for better players. Maybe Dabo is finally walking back his policy about not wanting to dip into the transfer portal, and he realizes he's getting his ass kicked in that department. But maybe not. It's the, the thing that you've got to worry about fundamentally every year. You've got to be paranoid at all times. If you finish two or three games under your preseason expectation, you it is now open season on your roster. Yeah. <laughs> so you're never, ever comfortable. And that's another reason to say that you know we're on the brink and hopefully we can finish the job at the Cheez-It Bowl beating Oklahoma. When you have a chance at a 10-win season or no more divisions in the ACC, an ACC championship game berth, a crack at going to a New Year's Six Bowl or a playoff. Well, yeah, you got to. You have to savor that because even if you are the elite of the elite, like Georgia, let's say, which they certainly are. I mean, what if Alabama, after Nick Saban retires, whenever that day may be, what if they say, Kirby, you can write the number on this check and we'll give you, you've already accomplished what you want at Georgia. Now come continue the legacy you helped build here at Alabama. And he may or may not say yes, but let's say he did. Well, now Georgia is in the crosshairs, and it can happen that quick. Same thing for Clemson. What if Alabama went after Dabo? We already feel like there's some cracks in the armor, but what if that's a job that he was considering? Or one of these coaches like Jim Harbaugh leaves for the NFL for the Colts job? I mean, these things can just deteriorate in a second now with the open season on free transfers. So when you do succeed, enjoy the hell out of it.
1: And also take special comfort in that one of the descriptors about your program that sees it a destination place for football players that are disgruntled is that your head coach has created a culture that people don't want to leave. And I can tell you from talking to people in the NIL world that there is no greater recruiter than to have a head coach who's created an environment that people do not want to leave that have opportunities to leave, but won't leave. And that may be true, even if the prospects of them going pro they want to come back. So, you know, when you have that, because everybody's got money, everybody's got chances and opportunities to throw money at the problem, some more than others. And obviously we'd be naive to think that that doesn't impact transfer portal decisions. But, let's say you've got five teams all throwing out the same amount of money. Man, the thing that's gonna make the difference is relationships, reputations, and the kids that have already made that move to make that leap, to talk to these kids that are in the portal when they come to visit or when they are asking questions. What is it like down there? It, you know, am I gonna enjoy it? does your coach does your coach care about you? Because I'm telling you I'm leaving a place right now where I'm just a number, and i want to I want to be in a family. Does that exist at Florida State? Man, well, you've got a guy who's really done a good job of creating buy-in to the point where his best players, his best outgoing players are the ones saying that it's hard not to play in the bowl game and I don't want to leave here. I mean, that's a good sign that you're going to continue to be able to bring in people at a high level because not every place is described that way. It benefited Clemson for a long time, no matter how many times we rolled our eyes. It's true.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's I think some of it in the NIL world, we would have heard of some deals, some amazing deals for uh, maybe the defensive front to return <laughs> for a year. And then another year where you think, my God, go away. But it, it wouldn't have been solely because of the NIL deal. You're correct. that they, they had Brent Venables and that defense were all together. And Dabo was the head of that program and the camera likes him. I hate that it does, but the camera likes him and, and the networks love him. So that's how you build something. But that's also something that you're starting to see more of for Florida state now Yeah, is that people are covering us. People are talking about us. People interject us into conversations that have nothing to do with Florida state. It's just a grander topic of who's getting better. Wow. what you know, Who's making noise. I'll, I'll tell you who is. How about Florida state? That's the, the stuff that we have to continue to see with the national media helping be our, our PR wing. It's for the first time in a long time that you could say that the national media has been more of a PR wing than somebody who's just taking shots at us and hurting our brand.
1: Well, if you are responsible for making money off of an asset that you own, which ESPN is with the ACC, you desperately want to see Florida State play well, because you know more than any other program, including Clemson, they matter. So I've always thought that if we started to show any inkling of improvement or signs that you would get their talking heads to begin to mention it, they need it. They want us, and they want Miami to stop sucking, that's for sure. But sorry, guys, we can't help you with Miami. We're doing our part. Miami's out there lost. Rudderless, rudderless on the choppy sea. It's Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. our friends at abc where the, the goodness is bountiful you walk into the abc you walk in you like, ooh, ooh, ooh. it's all pointing and it's all like let's visit here and then go down this lane anyhow tom and i uh, love abc and they are supportive of what we do on the jeff cameron show and in the pregame show and they're these days, supportive of the portal prognostication segment, which looks space agey. And I like if you're watching on Warchant TV, yeah. I enjoy the background here. I like it.
0: It is uh, a, a trench version of the prognostication this time around. You've seen it on Warchan TV. If you haven't, go check it out. We've hit quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers. I don't think tight ends are worthy of one full segment. I think you've hit on the tight end position and every other transfer portal report so uh offensive line is probably the place to go and then you put the fun side of the program to bed because this has been a really really productive year
1: hey so really quickly before we do that Florida State offensive lineman Dylan Gibbons voted captain of the 2022 All-State AFCA good works team we found that out today when we all got up as Knowles went good another award for a good kid who's come in here and done good work Uh, quote, the only thing more impressive than Dylan's fierceness on the field is his philanthropy off of it. That according to Mike Norvell, he is smart, thoughtful leader has made a massive difference in his time as a Florida state Seminole. I can't think of anyone more deserving of this honor than Dylan, which is nice. First team, all ACC performer, um, you know, he was, a kid that when we got him, we were excited about, and we thought he had a chance just based on the pedigree of Notre Dame offensive line. And uh, we said, Hey, look, if he was recruited coming out of high school out of the state of Florida to go play at Notre Dame, he had to have something to him. Turns out we were right. Mike Norvell was right. Alex Hodgkin was right. Kid turned out to have a nice couple of years here and really was a catalyst for the transformation of an entire offensive line. He kind of led the way there. And uh, kudos to him for getting some of these postseason recognitions as well.
0: Yeah, all the while raising nearly a half a million dollars. And it's going to cross over a half a million dollars with all the notoriety that is rightly being thrown Dylan Gibbons way this postseason. But I mean, think about that. You've got a chance in the NIL world to garner a lot of this money for yourself. You know, And, and this is somebody who's taking the time before he gets his when it comes to NFL money or professional money or television or whatever it is, he's going to want to do with the next part of his life, the next part of his career. I mean, he's spending money on take Timothy to Tallahassee, Timothy Donovan, which has been an outstanding uh, extension of the program. And, and now Timothy's a part of the Seminole program, which is really, really cool. And then also the hurricane relief down in Fort Myers. I mean, all these little projects to the tune of about a half million dollars, that that's what you should aspire to be in a, in the NIL era. I'm never about being in anybody else's pockets, but if you want to make a difference and you believe that you've got a platform to make a difference, here's an example of how you do it. And that's pretty cool because sometimes when we talk about these guys, they're not, they don't really do much on the field for you, but he's a, he's a combo player Yeah,
1: yeah helps on the field
0: and he helps the world off the field. That's pretty cool. Worth noting, worth talking about and
1: shining a light on as we get into the transfer portal conversation of the offensive line and who we think is coming and going. you brought up the fact, and I've said all year long, that the real promise of this offensive line is moving forward with some of the guys that I really like long-term of being successful. Uh, You know, I felt like for a long time, if he could ever get healthy, uh, and could stay out there long enough that Thomas Schrader was going to be a big part of what they were trying to do. Uh, we we know Bless Harris can come back. Let's hope he does. He was going to be a starter all year long. He was your better option at right tackle. Caden Lyles was a guy that got hurt before the season even began. Of course, he came in from Wisconsin. Uh, you know, all these guys that you realized were supposed to play didn't play, could play, but have been hurt. All, there are a lot of. There are a lot more guys to name like that. And some of them are also just young being held out the requisite amount of time to get their bodies. Right. I just think it all adds up depending on who comes back and then who emerges from that group that was allowed to build in a normal manner. Uh, I think Florida state can have a very, very good starting offensive line next year. I'm excited about that right off the bat. Just get that out there. I think it's one of the reasons that you cling to when you think Florida state is going to be good year over year uh, a lot of times we tend to draw, our eyes are drawn to the sexy positions without question. Quarterback, wide receiver, running back, linebacker, defensive back. But the trenches, if you're consistently good there, you give yourself a chance to develop at all those other places. Florida State's not been consistently good in those places, in that place specific. And therefore, those skill position players never really had a chance to shine. So to me, being able to carry
0: over a little something, also add to it, is exciting
1: when we talk about the
0: offensive line. Yeah. The evolution of what's gone on here with the offensive line is really fun to document because it just keeps on getting better. Two years ago, it was, they really didn't block all that well in either phase, pass blocking or run blocking. And yet they were responsible and they were on the field for explosive plays on the ground. Yeah. Every, every week, every week, there was a run of more than 25 or 30 yards. In some cases, as long as 60 to 80 for a house call, they schemed that up. And look, You've got to create those angles and execute those blocks and counter or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And so that was a feather in the cap that we had not seen from a Florida state offensive line in several years. Now this particular season that's just been put in the books, they were able to do things like run outside zone straight up against mm-hmm. Clemson. I mean, that, that is crazy to me. And while they didn't win the line of scrimmages consistent, uh, consistently against Florida, you know, in that final game of the year, they still ran the ball really effectively for long stretches of the game. I'm not talking about Jordan Travis shedding four potential sacks. I'm talking about Trey Trey Benson going for over a hundred yards. And when they had to ice that game in the fourth quarter, how did they do it? The traditional run game. But the one thing that's left now for this offensive line is when it's first and goal from the two, third and goal from the one.
1: Can you just man up?
0: Yeah. Fourth and one from the the opposing 26 yard line. And you want to go for it. And it's a yard and a half. It's not, it's not, you know, inches. Can you run between the tackles and go get it and go get it for your team against the better defensive lines? They're not there yet. And so I find this interesting, this little nugget. Our own Michael Langston was saying that, yeah, they may go out and grab a tackle if they can find a good one this offseason. But the priority is actually going to be at guard this offseason for Florida State, because if you look at the two deep at offensive tackle next year, Robert Scott returns for year 47 bless Harris probably comes back and we I mean, I'm going to assume that, but I hope he does. Uh, Julian Armella is right there, ready to go after another full off season. They like what they had in Jalen early uh, towards the end of, of camp. That's what Michael was reporting towards the end of the, the season. I'm sorry. In practices, they like what 73 was doing. And then Darius Washington can also be an emergency reserve. So you've got five potential options at tackle before you even mentioned a younger guy, like a Daughtry Richardson or a Lucas Simmons, who's going to be and figures to be a part of the 2023 class. But what you're missing is your two starting guards. You know, Demetri Emanuel is the other one, but Dylan Gibbons and Demetri Emanuel are gone. And you don't know that you're going to get Kane Lyles back for sure. Estes, Bryson Estes has shown flashes, but he was inconsistent as practice went along this fall. So who are the options? Well, Darius Washington can be one of them. They like Kanaya Charlton, but is it too much too soon for a redshirt freshman? guards are probably going to be in the inflow department the priority for the offensive line which I found interesting but when you flesh it out it kind of makes sense can I, Charlton's a guy that if his body's
1: right and he's massive he's 6'5", 350, 345, whatever he's he's a massive if he's right if he's in shape and he's carrying it the right way there's a lot of ways to carry that much body mass if he's carrying it the right way yeah I, I love what his potential is and again he's one of those many guys that I get excited about when we talk about the youth Of this offensive line group. How does this all add up to a guy that's going to transfer? You know, if we're going to project, it is portal prognostication. If we're going to project somebody to leave, it's really interesting to me. I don't see a ton of candidates. There are guys that have been passed over on the depth chart. And you might see one of those guys decide that maybe they need to take it on down the road because of that. But there aren't a ton of obvious candidates. Um, Maybe You know, Tom, I don't know where you're at when you think about a a Lloyd Willis or Thomas Schrader or or Rod Orr. uh, You know, these are names that you would kick around about, have they been passed over? Are they they guys that want to find a brighter future somewhere else?
0: I I think there's at least two on the outflow, and this is not reporting with knowledge. This is just looking at the depth chart and saying, what are we doing here? It's
1: prognostication, just a guess, yeah.
0: Last spring, Mike Norvell went on record and said that this is a huge camp for both Lloyd Willis and Rod Orr. Well, that, we
1: talked about it at length at that time. That that chance that Lloyd Willis was given, uh, yeah, I I kind of felt like that was just, that was it.
0: Every opportunity was was extended. Now, this is also something you can try one more spring camp. There is no rush here to have to hit the portal sure. in December. And maybe uh, at the time of this recording, somebody just clicked and put their name in it. And you know, that's that's the name of the game these days in the twenty four seven market at marketplace that we're in. But Lloyd Willis was extended every opportunity. Rod Orr has always been a project that was even known when he signed at Florida State, that it was going to take a longer time, but you're recruiting over these guys. I, I, you know, Zane Herring might be another player that if he doesn't have a big time camp, maybe he's uh, somebody who looks at, at an option where he can play more consistently for Thomas Schrader. I find that one really, really fascinating because he was available. Then he wasn't, then he was available again, you know, in full pads, in the course of the football season, and I said, oh, 67, there he is. But I've got to see it to believe it with, with Thomas Schrader if he's physically capable of playing the position. Some guys, they're just so banged up, and, and it's hard to ever count on them. Certainly, if I'm doing the number crunching as the Florida State offensive staff, I'm saying the Trader's a bonus. I'm not going to depend on him to be one of the replacements at guard next year. Could he be? Absolutely, he could be but am I going to put my season success on him being in the two deep? Nah, no, that would not be wise. So. Well, yeah. And it was interesting to
1: me, Tom, like even a kid like uh, the stickle kid was playing in, ahead of him for a while there at center when he would yep. get backup reps. And yep. I just didn't know what that meant. You know, I, at, at the time I thought, well, I, I, is he just not all the way back? Is Schrader just not all the way back? And I guess that's what I took it to mean. And we don't want to speculate too much. Cause again, we're not really allowed to when it comes to a player's health, but that, that was understandable.
0: What's interesting, though, is center itself is, is a position of need. So, you know, it could be more than just guards that are the priority. Maurice Smith was a godsend this year, as it turned out. Uh, he was somebody that nobody was counting on or very few were counting on to actually win the starting job outright since they went and got Cade Lyles in the portal. Didn't know if he was going to be available early in the year, as you know, for like the LSU game. And then the dude never came off the field for a meaningful snap, which is pretty amazing considering what kind of questions were around more. His said. injury history, his lack of size. Yeah, sure, yeah. all of that. And so now he's a mainstay And in your interior plan for next year. You probably want to prioritize another center. Again, Darius Washington can play there in an emergency, but I, you might want a, a true center if you don't get Lyles another year of eligibility. So a huge domino to fall, I think, in the math that they're going to do for the interior of the line is whether or not they can get another year for Lyles if he even wants another year. But that would be a big announcement. There's some announcements of guys coming and going and things that, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But if Caden Lyles gets another year and he's returning to Florida State, that's a huge deal in terms of fortifying not only center, but somewhere in the interior of the offensive line at guard.
1: Yeah, we're all waiting on guys like that to decide whether or not he's going to come back. Wes Harris could decide not to come back or go or, you know, or come back. Obviously, we hope he comes back. He was going to be the starter this year before that injury happened. So um yeah, I can't think of an obvious candidate. I think we kind of glossed over some guys that potentially we wouldn't be surprised to see their names enter the portal. But this isn't one of those position groups like we've had with some of the others where you're like, "Ooh, man, there's just not enough footballs to go around." It's an offensive line. You can spread them out. So it's not quite the same as it is where, you know, they need the football.
0: Well, and the other thing is they are not afraid one bit this staff of moving guys from tackle to guard, moving them all around the offensive line. So if, for yeah. example, Jazz Turnatine came in, he worked pretty much exclusively in fall camp at right tackle. And then by week one, they wanted him to be at right guard out of nowhere. So maybe yeah, some of these guys that are projects on the edge or vice versa, that they, they move them around and they find a home for him in a different position. I suspect that some of this question will be settled now, but then more than likely, they're going to go through spring camp and that's when you're going to know who's going to stay and who's going to help. There's some big names out
1: there that have entered the transfer portal. Alabama is losing an offensive tackle. Oklahoma is losing an offensive tackle. There are others that you'll hear about throughout the course of the day in the coming days as this is a free-for-all, and a lot of guys are deciding that maybe they're not wanted where they currently are or that the opportunity is greater somewhere down the road. So we'll do this every day. We'll go through the different position groups. It's a lot of fun to do. Uh, and, and, you know, and again, some of these we're not saying – it's a guarantee that this many people go or don't go. It's just kind of, let's look at the roster. Let's vet what we have. What seems to be a reasonable prognostication as to who's coming and going Jeff so Cameron show 93, three real talk radio and war chant TV.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is and not as simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
1: didn't want to do another stomp you
0: out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Couple of things to get here as uh, get to as we wrap it up today. Kind of a unique set of circumstances today, if it seems a little weird. Uh, We have uh, studio work being done, as in construction. We don't have access to the studios. So we had to do the show in this manner today for radio, but also we had to be available for any transfer portal news throughout the day. So on Warchant TV, whether it's myself or Tom or Aslan or somebody on staff, if there's a big breaking news uh, item, you're going to see it on Warchant TV. Uh, and on warchant.com. Just know all of that. Uh, But it is a chance right now for me to mention the bowling tournament, which is almost already sold out. It didn't take long. We barely made a mention of it last week at the end of the week. The tournament, the Jeff Cameron Show Holiday Bowling Tournament uh, for our friends at the Guardian Ad Litem. We're doing it again this year. It will be Tuesday, December the 13th at 7 p.m., At District 850, we thank District 850 so much for their support always. Uh, They're hosting the tournament just as they did a year ago. And right now, if you're driving around town and you, let's say, can't make the bowling tournament, but you want to contribute and help out uh, and help kids who wouldn't otherwise have a very good Christmas or have the opportunity to open gifts on Christmas, if you bring two um, gifts, drop them off at District 850, there's a spot for you to be able to do that. So, uh, as you don't have to wrap them, you don't have to put any Christmas wrapping paper on them or anything like that. If you just go into wherever you buy toys, try to be mindful of boys and girls. Uh, also, if you just want to leave gift cards, they desperately need gift cards. A lot of times the older kids don't get much and gift cards are the best way to help them out. Whether you're doing that to a target or a Walmart or Uh, Best Buy or wherever you choose, they'll also be able to accept gift cards. So we're doing that in the buildup as we do every year, and we're filling out the rosters. Teams of four, it's teams of four. So when you go to sign up, you sign up. It's radio at warchant.com, right? Radio at warchant.com is where you go to sign up. And when you sign up your team of four, um, then you'll know whether or not you're in. Uh, we're, we're taking all the names as we can now, and then it will fill up first-come, 1st first serve basis uh,
0: with uh, how many teams are we doing? 12 to 15? Uh, 16 total teams. 16, okay. We're down to five as of around 11 o'clock this morning. Five. Okay, seconds.
1: so there's only room for five more teams, guys. If you want to play and you have your group of four, you're going to need to get signed up today. I have a feeling by – certainly by Thursday – Uh, this thing will probably be filled as it usually is. It's a fun and popular event for a great cause. So, uh, hopefully you'll do it once again. That's to benefit our friends at the guardian ad litem. Uh, when I called them last week and told them that we were all good to go, uh, Deborah, as she always is, was super excited and thanked all of you in advance as well as us. We don't want the thanks. This is an easy thing for us to do, but you guys deserve the thanks. She thanked everybody in advance for what she knows. Um, each and every year is just a really kind community that steps up and does the right thing. And, uh, always it, it, it's pr- pretty much makes my holiday season, you know, other than my kids are getting to the age now where it's not as, not as fun. Like it was when they were little kids and you could open up these little toys that they were excited about. Now they're kind of like, yeah, we doing a trip this year, dad, going skiing. What are we doing? That's not the same. So this, this makes my Christmas here. These, these toys that we collect for the kids of the guardian ad litem. All right. There, probably filled out by Thursday. So get it done. Get it done. I like this. I don't know if you saw this. This is a quote from Brent Venables, who Tom and I over the years have pointed to as the face of the maniacal.
0: Mm. Yes, Uh, if you were in an alley late at night and Brent Venables is walking your way, you are thinking about a lot of things. None of them are, oh, what a nice-looking fellow. I wonder what he wants. You're wondering about exit strategy, do I need to put myself between this dude and my wife? The answer is yes. Uh, should I have? Should I be looking for something I can grab to defend myself with beyond my fists? <laughs> Brent is a scary-looking dude, but he is really, really adept—at uh, least as a coordinator—at uh, making some badass things happen. But uh, well, I wonder what he said because we have we have the uh, press conference up on WarChan TV, even his on our own channel, but I didn't watch it what he had to say quote coach Norvell
1: has done a terrific job I've been a fly on the wall if you will for the last several years since he got the job three seasons ago and what a transformation make and his staff have done uh or or he so this is being translated poorly got it okay (laughs) um Mark and his staff have done what a terrific job of building the program foundationally the right way You know, nine and three this year, five and three in the ACC, they've had a great season. Their three losses were three ranked teams all by a single score. I think their last five games they've won by an average of 44 to 15. Their top 20 on offense, top 20 in defense, have premier players in all three phases of the game. Can it be a springboard for both programs? Certainly. Again, Mike's been there for three years now, and this is their first bowl game that they're going to, and the way he's done it is the right way he's used the transfers with the right guys when it's all fit. And he's developed guys through signing guys out of high school as well. And he's had, for the most part, he's had good continuity on that staff. He's had an opportunity to build through his vision and what he wants his program to look like. He's done a very good job. All right. So on all high praise from Brent Venables, who right about now has to be happy. They made a bowl because that was not a banner year at Oklahoma and a a tough one to be compared to um, when you come in and go six and six, which is what they did. But um, Yeah, I thought that was pretty complimentary of Bull Brent.
0: It is. That's actually next level, too. I was not expecting a nuanced take from Brent in which he's bragging on himself, taking a dig at Mike, praising Mike, and then also overall just saying positive things throughout. What he's saying is, it took him three years to make a bowl. I made a bowl my first year, and I inherited a disaster. Uh, He also says that the portal is important, but culture is really important. So I'm going to take my guys. I want the right guys to be there. And if we stick with continuity with staff, I'm sure some of you want me to fire my staff. I'm not (laughs) going to do it. (laughs) Then we're going to come out the other side of this thing. And also, you know what? Legitimately, he's done a really good job. They sucked and now they don't suck. Good for them. This could be a springboard for both of us, even though we're on different timelines. Be patient with me. It took them three years. That's actually really, really well put together by Brent.
1: Yeah, he got real close to crossing a line and then reeled himself back in just the right way. And then at the very end, recognizing that perhaps he crossed that line on the dig, he should circle back with even more praise like he did in the original part of the quote, which is to say, oh, man, I've seen all of it. Mike has done an amazing job. And he's not wrong.
0: That is I don't know that it's on page one of the binder for the PR firm, but that makes the list of, of better quotes of 2022. If you're trying to accomplish multiple things with one Q&A, good job, Brent. Perhaps I'm underestimating your ability to handle politically the position of head coach.
1: Yeah, his acumen perhaps is a little greater than we realized. He handled the PR situation with grace. He was able to not only prop up the job he and his staff did in year one, no matter how disappointed the Oklahoma faithful are to be heading to the cheez Bowl. But I would assure you, my fellow uh, Sooners, just look across the way at our opponent as an example of what's possible because of the great job that he's done and that we too will do. You see, we're already ahead of pace. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was classic. That was that was well done. Good for him. Uh, I do think it's good that if you're going to have to go to Orlando for the Cheez-It Bowl, that you get an opponent like Oklahoma with the name brand that the Sooners are, and a group of uh, fans that will come and support this, I think partially because they're going to want to get the hell out of Oklahoma in, uh, in late December. So I would imagine that they'll show up. They're a loyal fan base. You guys know that I have uh, some, some footholds in that fan base as well, uh, given my family history, but uh, you know, they are, they, they are a big name. So therefore the ratings will be good for that bowl game. People see the Florida state know you and they say, okay, now, do I think, if I'm being really honest, and and I know Oklahoma will take it the wrong way when I say this, did we deserve better than Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, Fort State deserved better than a 6 and 6 Oklahoma. I'm not talking about historically. OU is a bigger program historically. I get that. I'm talking about as the cherry on top for a season well played did Florida state deserve better Well, the second best team in the ACC second highest ranked team in the ACC their losses as correctly noted there by Brent Venables are to all ranked teams by less than a score I just it's I feel like Florida state could have had a little bit more high profile an opponent I'll be honest with you I would have rather seen him play Texas yeah. um I think if you want to be tested a healthy Quinn Ewers against uh, against this secondary could could have made for a really good game cuz you sprinkle in Bijan Robinson and you realize that would have been a sturdier test for Florida State if you're in the camp of just wanting to win 10 games Oklahoma certainly lines up nicely for Florida State.
0: Yeah, a couple of things, you know, just remembering from 2010, 2011, the experience that we had with the fan base that is the Oklahoma Sooners fan base was first class both ways.
1: All-time great. We yeah.
0: went out there first the reputation that, that we have, I mean, that they've built through us, uh, and, and they stand well with us. So for those of you that are brand new, either maybe you were a, a teenager at that time and now you're in your mid-20s and you're going to this game, and what, what should I expect? They were first class to us when we went out there, and so we put out an APB when the return match happened in 2011 to all Knowles. Welcome them to your tailgates. Treat them with immense respect. Do the right thing. And it worked both ways around. We like them; they like us. That Oklahoma State fan base from '14 was kind of trashy. Got to be honest, kind of oh, well, trashy. They're, they're
1: second fiddle, and they know it, and it's tough.
0: But you know, you would think since they're another state institution and they've got a big rival, and this is a one-off, that maybe we could have been a little bit more civil. We weren't. They weren't very civil, so mm-hmm. that didn't go as well. So if you're making your way to Orlando and you see a Sooners fan, first of all, we're not playing for the title, so this doesn't have to be cutthroat. But secondly, this is a good fan base. So I, I like being able to do this because I'm old enough to remember the last time we played games like this, even though it was 12, 13 years ago. That's, that's now something I can do as I'm advancing towards the age of 40. The other thing I like about this game is that it's a 5.30 p.m. kickoff. This is not an 8.30 p.m. kickoff. Every time we've been away from Doak Campbell Stadium this year, it has been 7.30 or later on the road. I can get down on a 5.30 kickoff. The weather should be relatively pleasant for Orlando. It'll probably still be 82 degrees, but it'll be relatively pleasant because it's not noon and you're not going to be out all hours a night in a town that doesn't have a nightlife. So this is nice. It's a nice middle ground here. There's a lot to like about this game beyond the fact that your chances of winning your 10th game for the first time in forever since 2016 are now squarely in front of you. I like our chances to come out of this game with a win. I do too, and it would be nice to get a
1: win here, by the way. Uh, Oklahoma has owned our ass every which way to Sunday. This has not been a competitive series ever. Oklahoma has just kicked us about the head and neck. It's very frustrating for a guy who has some love for OU. I would not I don't need it to be this one-sided. I believe we're 1 in 6 all time against Oklahoma. And nobody can remember the one we won. Uh, we've lost a lot of games that really mattered in high-profile scenarios, Orange Bowls, National Championships, both. <laughs> it's rather frustrating. So Let's I know it's just a cheese bowl. Let's get us one here guys. That's a down OU program right now. You better go get you this one cuz I have a feeling by the next time you face them, it will probably not be such a favorable matchup. So, let's go. How do you feel about Cheez-Its? You like- I don't ever eat them. I don't yeah. I don't feel a, a certain way about them. The- I don't
0: have a I don't care about them. <laughs> okay. I <don't>, I- well, <laughs> Look, it's a legitimate question, professor, because you know, we talk about cereal for example. You know, cereal comes up Cereal often. is a, a more serious issue. It, yeah. Cereal cereal is universally beloved. Cheez-Its are just whatever. And you're not a huge chip guy? You know like No. No. You don't have like a chip that you ride or die with. It's always in your pantry.
1: I have zero chips in my pantry. There's there's some chips uh I was just thinking about this. There's some chips that go in this segment of the pantry that is known for kids' lunches right. and they're like Pringles or whatever. So that's it. I the, don't the even the small think. packs that you
0: just throw in yeah. their lunch. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. And not you're not a big cracker guy clearly.
1: Ritz, I go Ritz all day every day if I'm going to eat a cracker. I love me a good Ritz cracker with some peanut butter. Delicious. I would do that right now. Okay.
0: okay. All right. So we found something. Do you remember yeah, Ritz- uh, I think yeah. they still do it but Ritz Bits. Remember Ritz Bits? Yep. Those yep. were super good. Super good. They're the size so, yes. of a dime. They were the size of a dime.
1: I will say this on the final note of uh, goodbye here for the day, uh, that our friends at Tallulah, who I saw over the weekend and got another juice, and I am discovering new flavors. Guys, I tell you about all the ones in Midtown, and they've got the new Tallulas in Thomasville, Georgia, and the Cava Bar and Bannerman that's open, and it's a second location in Bannerman Crossing. They have CBD for pets, CBD for you and me. They've got a huge vape selection, mushroom selection. You really, you can't miss out on all the stuff they have at Tulua. But I'm telling you, those Delta 8 Kava, Kratom Delta 9 drinks that they have are delicious. And you feel great every time you have a sip. I'm not even lying. Get you one. Go get you a kava. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say. No, I just, I, I really like their juices. I really do. It's coming from the
0: heart. I like these juices, guys. Go get you some of those juices. Is that a slogan when you said CBD for you and me? Or is that just for the it listener? It should be, base? right? Yeah, yeah. It should be.
1: Yeah. CBD, mushrooms, THC. tulula has got you covered. For T Lizzie, I'm Jeff. Director Matthew had a little something to do with this today. Thanks, guys. Bear with us. We'll be good. We're here for you this week. Peace.